Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Dads with Daughters, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Today, I am excited. I always say that I'm excited, but I am excited to be able to bring on a friend, someone that I've known for a while. Tommy Riles is joining us. Uh, If you've ever seen any of the crazy stuff that is on Life of Dad, Tommy is the brains behind Life of Dad. Uh, He has other people that work with him as well. But Tommy had the brainchild that brought Life of Dad to fruition, and it's been out there for a number of years now. And it's got millions of people that are watching it on Facebook, and it's it's a you can see some really funny stuff, and it, that really kind of just brings some humor, but also some down to earth type of things too about fatherhood. Tommy, thanks so much for being here today. Of course, Chris, great to great to talk to you as always, and thanks for the intro and what you do here talking about strong, independent women. Well, of course, I'm married to one, but then my daughter, who we'll talk quite a bit about, I'm sure. You know, when you said that, it really rang true. I'm like, man, I'm happy I'm here because our ten year old is a very, very strong independent woman and she's only 10. So we're trying to figure out what's next. Well, if you're married to a strong independent woman, then you that's probably why you have a daughter that's a strong independent woman. So, <laughs> that's, right. so, that, so that's, a, that's a good thing. So I always start these interviews with an opportunity to get to know you as a dad. So first and foremost, and I love this question, is I want to turn the clock back in time. I want you to think back to you that first moment, that first moment that you found out that you were going to be a father to a daughter. Tell me about that. First off, I, I want to make sure you preface each question by saying, I love this question. You should always say that, you know, before you ask any question ever on any interview, say, I love this question. <laughs> and then and then ask the question. I love that. I love this answer right now, Chris. So I'm going to take myself back to that time. So when my wife was about 20 weeks pregnant, it wasn't our plan to find out the sex of the baby, but there were some issues that we found in the blood test for the pregnancy where we had to go in for even more tests and blood tests. And it got to the point where we knew everything about this child except for the sex, you know, including this when it was very scary and sad at the time. But luckily, she's 10 years old now and she's a strong, independent woman. But we found out that our daughter had a heart defect. So we knew all these things when my wife was still pregnant with her that we're like, all right, if we know everything, why are we waiting on the sex of the baby? Let's just find out right now, right? So so at about 20 weeks or 21 weeks into the pregnancy, we found that it was a girl that we're having. I did always think, you know, and I'm a, I think in a lot of ways, I'm a guy's guy. I like my sports. I like my beer, you know, like hanging out with buddies. I always thought that I wanted a son first, for sure. So much so that before I started Life of Dad, and my wife teases me about this all the time, I think I, I, I secured the web domain tommyboys.com or something along those lines, right? Where that was going to be my my online journal or, or web show or whatever it was going to be, right? It was going to be about me, Tommy, and then my son, Tommy. But then we found out we were having this girl. So we found out 20 weeks into the pregnancy, and I have been a, a girl dad ever since. Barbara is our daughter's name, our oldest daughter's name. We have another, a younger daughter as well. But Barbara is her name. And from the moment I met her, because she had these health issues, I was actually whisked away to the NICU while my wife stayed. You know, she had just given birth. So she stayed right there recovering from that. So I 
chased my daughter down the hallway and went upstairs to the NICU and was singing You Are My Sunshine to her over and over again. And she was holding my finger as they were poking and prodding and doing more tests on her. So it was it was a very traumatic beginning, but it brought me very, very close to her from the get-go. When you go through that type of experience so early on, when you've never been a father before, talk to me about what do you learn in those situations about yourself and what did that experience do for you to help you become a better father, not only for Barbara, but for all your kids? So first off, what I learned was certainly, you know, I had, and I'm sure a lot of guys and girls are like this. I like to do things my way. I like to do them on my schedule. Whatever I decided to be the priority was always the priority of my life. Like that's just how I ran my life. Right. But then your daughter or son arrives and that's when everything changes right there. So immediately I became someone that there was something else more important than myself at that point. So not that I was selfish, but just immediately everything and all that mattered was my daughter and her health. And that changed immediately and, and has been the same for years. We were just chatting before we started recording, Chris. My, my wife and kids are gone for four days right now. And this never <laughs> this never happens. So now for four days, I'm back into me zone where I'm literally doing, I just went to a sandwich shop at noon because I wanted to and I got the sandwich I wanted and I came back and I ate it and doing the podcast. And I'm going to do more work and I like doing work and I don't feel bad about doing work because the family's gone. So I'm just going to keep on going and going and going. Right. But when the family's around, which they always are, except for these four days, they are the priority and I learned that when I first became a dad with Barbara, and and that has certainly carried on throughout my life, and everything I do is is for them now. Now that you're a father of two girls, what would you say has been the hardest part in being a father to a daughter? The hardest part, that will take some thinking for a moment, because most of it, I feel like, is coming pretty naturally to me. I like being this animated guy that can make them laugh and make them smile, perhaps some of the harder things are to come when we get into the teenage years, when we get into things that, you know, conversations that they should be having with, with, with um, Lucy, uh, well, they, they call her mom. Uh, I call her Lucy that they, the conversations that they should be having with her. I guess one thing now, as I talk it out, one, I am realizing one thing that's challenging for me, my son's a lot like me where we just want to chill and we just want to relax and we don't get overexcited or over sad about anything. We're just kind of these even keeled characters that just want to go about our day and be chill. That's my son and I. And then the rest of the people in the house, including our two dogs, have, I would say, stronger willed and want to make the decisions. My son and I, most of the time, are like, yeah, whatever, that's fine. Yeah, we'll do that. So a challenge is having exactly what you said at the beginning of the podcast, man, strong, independent women that are ruling our house because we have a five-year-old strong, independent woman. We have a 10-year-old strong, independent woman, and we have a 40-year-old strong, independent woman. And that can be a challenge at times. Yes, it can. It being from a, a household of, of three other women in my household, I understand that. And mine are 16, 12 and a half in, in their mid-40s. I like that you didn't say the exact age. Good, good yeah, call. Yes, right, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Now, when you think about raising daughters today, what would you say is your biggest fear? So I work in television and entertainment, and there's been a lot over the past 
five years, we'll say, whenever the the Me Too movement really began. And and of course, I'm glad that it did begin because I have daughters, right? And that's what we're talking about here. But it really opened your eyes to a lot of stories about how women are treated and what women go through and how it's still not equal in many ways from from pay to respect to job titles to, you know, you name all of them. So as a dad to two young girls, man, I never want to see them suffer through something like that or unfairly not get an opportunity that they should because they're female or not get paid what they should or, you know, of course, you know, be abused any way you want to put it, right? So like we've heard a lot of stories come out. So that would certainly be a fear. It definitely is. I mean, I I hear you in that. I mean, it's definitely something that I have concerns about for my own daughters as well. And and I'm, you know, I'm hopeful though. You know, I I continue to be hopeful because of me too in incremental changes that have happened in the last, we'll say five years, that things might be moving in the right direction. You know, it's hard to say, but I'm hopeful that it is moving in the right direction. Now, with all your kids, you have to spend specific time with each and every one because they all are unique in their own ways. What would you say is the favorite thing that you and your daughters like to do together? So for them, if they had to choose their favorite, without a doubt, it is playing with stuffed animals. They make up these scenarios, and this is the 10-year-old as well as the 5-year-old. They just love their stuffed animals. We have about 100 of them in the house. It's a point of contention with my wife. She wishes we have less. And for me, a mess is a mess, and it's going to be a mess, whatever. <laughs> but my my daughters love their stuffed animals and love playing games with their stuffed animals. They Have you seen Ellen's Game of Games? It's a game show that Ellen has on the air and I work on that. I work on the Ellen show and I work on her game show and they play these extravagant games where you have contestants going through a roller coaster or getting splashed with slime. So my kids started watching that again last week. And since then, they've been playing stuffed animal game of games. Right. So they put all their stuffed animals through these scenarios where they're getting slimed and they're getting squished or whatever. Anyhow, they love everything about it. I'm happy to do that with them at times. I've had a really cool moment with my youngest daughter recently. She got really into, and she's probably way too young for the show, but, but but she enjoyed it, and I love it, Cobra Kai, the Karate Kid show on Netflix. So the show is probably rated PG-13 or something, so she really shouldn't be watching it. But she gets so excited, and she's five, so she's not really taking in what's going on, I don't think. But she loves the fight scenes, or the even more so the practice fight scenes. With, huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She loves all that. So her and I will watch it together and then we'll be, but we'll be standing the entire show and we'll be kind of fighting and kicking and going. And that's been really, really fun, but we just finished the second season. So I guess that's over for now, but she won't, she won't notice if we're watching reruns. So I guess we could just go back to season one. You probably could because she, like you said, she probably won't realize that you're back to season one. She's just <laughs> enjoying the time and being able to, to practice karate with you. That's right. I know that you talk about being in a household of strong, independent women. And you and your wife, Lucy, have had uh, have been able to do some kind of fun things, things together in regards to a brand new book that you have out. But also you had a show that was going out in person, but then COVID hit. And I know that things had to change. And in this, in the podcast that you did and the show that you had created in this book, you're really talking about the relationship between 
a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, and sometimes the interesting dynamics that, that happen within that. Talk to me about the genesis of the book and what made you and Lucy decide that you wanted to to kind of rip the Band-Aid off, we'll say, and talk about some of the, the things that husbands and wives sometimes don't always talk about in public. First off, we built these communities, Life of Dad and my wife runs Life of Mom over the past 10 years since since our daughter Barbara was born. Life of Dad has grown into, to become a, a pretty large community and Life of Mom is growing nicely as well. Somewhere along the line, and it was the right decision for sure, we made those communities not about us, but instead about all dads. Kind of like your community, Chris. You, you do such a great job. It's about dads and daughters, right? Or fathering together. That's about all fathers, right? Life of Dad is about all dads. So it's not necessarily about me, even though I am an entertainer and have aspirations to do more cool things. And I'm on stage all the time. I've always tried to, tried to figure out what is that parenting structure that could work as like a stage show or an entertaining book or a TV show. So we had these communities and we realized that even though we have them, Lucy and I aren't really in front of the camera much with them. And her and I aren't working together too much at all because she's doing the mom side, I'm doing the dad side. So we were trying to figure out what could that structure look like, first of all, on stage. So we just, we're two people that just kind of go for it. So we just rented a theater in Chicago last summer. We rented a theater in Los Angeles last fall. And we didn't really know what we were going to do on that stage, but we knew, and we started selling tickets before we even figured out what we were doing. So we started getting people to come and friends and family and, you know, a lot of people buying tickets and we were like, what are we doing? Like, what is this show? So it was our 11th anniversary last summer. I surprised her with a few different things. It was kind of a blast from the past. So I took her to where we first went to dinner. Then I took her to where we first saw a show. We ended the night at some tiny private karaoke room in some random location in Los Angeles. And she was like, what are we doing here? And I said, well, you actually took me to a private karaoke room, you know, when we first started dating. But also, we have this show in like two weeks, so we have to figure out what the heck we're going to do on stage. So let's just play some music in this karaoke room, spend a few hours here and figure out what our show is going to be. And we found that to music, we had a lot of fun battling out different household arguments that her and I have. So that became the genesis of the stage show. On the stage show, when it actually happened, we had a DJ who would introduce a topic such as toilet paper over or under. And then we would lay out our arguments like maybe perhaps one would in a court case. But then the DJ would hit some music and then we would sing out our arguments. And it went on from there. And then we brought out topic number two and topic number three. And it went on and on and on. And the show did pretty well. That was the one in Chicago. And we got a lot of great feedback. And everyone was like, this is awesome. What? But what's next? And we're like, oh, uh, we don't know. We're just going to do one in Los Angeles and we'll see. So then we did the show in Los Angeles and we invited a whole bunch of people, industry people, TV people, film people that I know. And it had gotten tighter and it had gotten better. The graphics were better. The topics were better. The music was better. And after that show, which... I think most people would consider a success. Everyone's like, what are you doing next? And, and I was like, uh, I think we're, we'll start a podcast. Sure. So we started the podcast, called it Mom versus Dad. And then on that podcast, we brought a different couple on each week. And we dissected the argument that they're having in their household and brought some comedy out of that. And then let the audience decide 
who was correct. And then they, they have to, by law, follow whatever the audience voted on. So people are changing their lives because of this show. And it's wonderful. And the podcast did well. And that led to a book publisher coming to us saying, hey, this seems awesome. And you have these great communities. What would mom versus dad look like as a book? So last about a year ago now, that happened. And then by January 1st of 2020, we had written the entire book and we go through about 40 different topics in it and have a lot of fun with the overall concept is her and I really love each other. I think we have a great relationship, but we disagree on most things in life. And what we try to say is, hey, if you can laugh off, all couples are having these same arguments. If you can laugh off the stupid stuff that you guys are all arguing about, whether it's the dishwasher or the, the laundry or how fast to drive, whatever it is, right? If you can laugh off all that stuff, you know, even during a time like COVID where tensions are higher and household stress is high, maybe you can just strengthen your relationship a little bit. For those that have never listened to the podcast, for those that had not seen the show, what would you say are the top two arguments that you and Lucy have that you discuss either on the podcast or the show or in the book? We're kind of in the middle of two big ones right now. We're feuding while she's gone. She did something. I I can't stand decorative pillows. I don't know if your wife likes these things, but we have them throughout the house on all the, on all the couches and on the beds. We went on a camping trip this summer. She brought eight decorative pillows, and I didn't. You know, I had packed most of the stuff for the camping trip, but then somehow once we got there, I saw eight decorative pillows, which serve no purpose, Chris. They are just there, and then you put them on the ground once you go to bed. Anyway, no one uses them. So they took up most of the room in our camper. So I had I had a big issue with that. I've called her out many times and thinking that and people online are like, Lucy, you can't bring these on camping trips. Anyhow, she's gone for four days now, ironically, on a camping trip without decorative pillows. I hope she didn't fly with them. And I got a box in the mail yesterday. This is my weekend, Chris. And a box arrived with like six decorative pillows in it. So I see you laughing, but this is not funny. This is this is serious. Well, I, I I'm finding it I'm finding it very humorous. So, and I'm sure that she's finding it humorous being away. I haven't even told her that the box arrived. I just I'm I'm trying to I'm not an emotional person, but I'm just trying to gather my emotions, which I rarely do, and so I'm working through that right now. So that's one, and then the other big one, just right now because we're in it. We have two toasters. I I love our toaster oven. I bring it on vacation so we can save money. Our kids don't behave well at restaurants and don't eat restaurant food. So that makes me not want to spend $20 $20 per kid at restaurants. I have no interest in that. So I bring my toaster oven. I'll pack it in a suitcase if I need to. I would bring it on a plane if necessary. And I bring my toaster oven and I bring the food and I pack the cooler and I have the kids' meals ready to go. They're chicken nuggets, they're mini pizzas, bagels in the morning, grilled cheese. I've got it all figured out. There's no problem, Chris. We're saving money. It's great. Lucy thinks I'm crazy. She thinks I'm cheap. She doesn't agree with this. Again, the world agrees with this, Chris. We put it online. People support me. They they think this is a smart dad. I think I'm a smart dad. So two things about our toaster oven right now. One, it broke. So I'm I'm kind of going through, uh, I'm trying to figure out if I can fix the fuse on it. This is a really good toaster oven. So can I fix a fuse on the switch? But two, and I'm, you're the first person to hear this, Chris. This hasn't even been announced yet. I purchased this week, and I'm going to surprise Lucy with this, Pierce Brosnan. You know who he is? James Bond, right? Yep. So I have 
his old toaster. Not from a movie, something that was in his home. So this is like a classic toaster from the from the nineties. And this thing, it's it's in my home now. I've already bought it. I already have it. I'm trying to figure out how to present it and, and I'm excited about the first toast with it. it. You can put four pieces of bread in it and it's thick enough to put bagels in there. Like I could go on all day. I have it. I don't know if she's going to be upset by seeing it or, or she's going to admire and respect it like I do, but the toaster is in our house and the big reveal is coming soon. So is this number three for the third toaster you have, including the one that is broken? Yes. We currently have three toasters. I think we we have a cheap black and Decker toaster that that's just a regular toaster. So that one's going to go away. Well, I mean, up in the storage, you, you can never say goodbye to a toaster. So that one's going to go away for now. Right. So I'll bring the <laughs> the James Bond one will be in the kitchen. Hopefully I can get the toaster oven fixed. And then we, you know, we'll have one of the best toaster situations in the world, I would imagine. So how does one know that this is a certified toaster from Pierce Brosnan? His assistant, who I know, had it in her home for the past 10 years. She's moving away. She was having a, a estate sale. And I saw a couple of things she put up online. And there was only one thing I had interest in. And that was Pierce Brosnan's toaster. That's awesome. So now you got to tell me, because I I listened to the podcast and I didn't go to a show because I wasn't in the cities where you did those. But in listening to the podcast, I know one of the bones of contention between you two are your cargo shorts. And it sounded like it sounded like that people said that the shorts needed to go, but you weren't willing to do it. Yeah, that's one. It really depends the part of the country that you're in. I would say Los Angeles. I'm not in a good city for cargo shorts. You're not getting much respect for the cargos where I live. And it's unfortunate. I like where we live a lot, but there's certain downsides like that. That's the only one I'll discuss now. But that's that's the big downside that, that I'm kind of working through at the moment. When we did our show in Chicago, we brought out the cargo shorts. And of course, as one would, I sang a boys to men song about how I don't want to let them go. Right. While holding them and, and massaging them. That's just what people do, Chris, when they're on stage. So just we'll leave that right there for now. But um then I asked everyone in the audience, hey, if anyone, and I didn't think we would have much of a response, but I said, anyone that's wearing cargo shorts, can you guys please stand up now? And I shouldn't have said guys, because 40 men and women then stood up, and they had proudly worn cargo shorts to the theater on this wonderful night. It wasn't a hot day. It was like a comfortable day. They had no reason to wear cargo shorts, but they did, and I'm so proud of them. When I asked the same question in Los Angeles, one guy stood up and thank goodness he was there because then we would have had none and that would have been really embarrassing. But one guy stood up and his Instagram handle is Green Rum Punch, in case you're wondering. I think it truly is a Midwest. It's definitely a Midwest and East Coast thing because I have my cargo shorts, too. So when you had that, I did vote for you. I said you can keep thank them. You. But I know that there's still kind of some underlying tension there between the two of you for that. So now tell me about when is this book going to be available? And I'm sure that the the humor that we're, we've been talking about is going to continue in this book itself, but also the underlying message of kind of getting these conversations going. For people that want to get a copy, when is it going to be out? Where can they find it? The book is coming out November the 17th. So we're super excited about that. You can find it. I'm sure, Chris, you'll have the links there, but anyone that's just listening, you can, you know, probably the easiest way to do it is just go to Amazon and search Mom versus Dad or search Tom Ryle's book or something along those lines, Mom Mom versus Dad. 
and it will pop up. But it's also available Barnes and Noble, really anywhere that you would typically buy a book, you can buy it there. And November seventeenth is coming out. It's for pre-order now, so you can actually buy one now. And if I may say, on November twentieth, my wife, this cargo shorts hating, toaster non-respecting, decorative pillows loving, beautiful woman, is going to be on a new TV show. It's called The Pack. It's Think of Amazing Race plus dogs. So Lucy and our dog, Duchess, actually traveled the world in January and February of this year for the show, The Pack. It's finally airing November 20th, which lines up nicely with our book. And it's going to be awesome. She, I'm so proud of her. She came back like a changed woman. She wants to just kind of take over the world and take on new adventures and go camping and take the kids on hikes. She had a great experience, and I was so proud of her, you know, after being a stay-at-home mom for 10 years, that she got to have an opportunity like this. And she had so much fun, and it's going to be really fun to watch. Now, what network did you say that's going to be on? Amazon Prime. That's going to be streaming on Amazon. It's their biggest show they've ever done. Well, looking forward to seeing that. Now, in hearing about your dogs before, is this the dog that can be a little smelly? We have two dogs. So the one that went with her on the trip is well-behaved and smells nice for the most part, doesn't drool, doesn't shed. And they she took that one for, for two months. What she left behind, Chris, was our three kids who are lovely and smell a bit, but they're pretty good at showering and such. And then she also left behind our 170-pound St. Bernard. And my kids enjoy Googling most drooly dog. And St. Bernard always pops up on top of the list there. So that one, he's a beast. He's resting now on the floor, trying to get on my bed. I'm not cool with dogs on the bed, Chris. That's a big topic for Lucy and I too. I remember that from one of the shows. Now, we always finish our interviews with what we like to call our fatherhood five, where I ask you five questions to delve a little bit deeper into you again. So first and foremost, in one word, what is fatherhood? Life. When was a time that you finally felt like you succeeded at being a father to a daughter? When she, Barbara, came for the first time after open heart surgery. And she was actually home by the time she was two weeks old, which was astounding how strong these babies are. But when she got home, it was really scary. The fact that we were concerned and and had a lot of fear of how we were going to do this whole thing. But Lucy and I were proud, really proud just to make it to that point. You can only imagine. If your kids were here right now, how would your kids describe you as a dad? I think they would describe me as funny, too strict on eating healthy foods, way too strict on that probably, but still fun, funny, warm, loving, but they don't like the same sports teams as I do. So they would probably give me a hard time about that as well. It keeps you in your place. Yeah. Now, who inspires you to be a better dad? Certainly a few answers for that one. My, my parents were amazing parents. My dad was a great dad. So they, they, they taught me the path for sure. But my kids and my wife, you know, certainly inspire me. I, I aspire to always put the family first and always do what's best for them. I think we all might struggle with that at times or make mistakes, but I aspire to do that. And and my kids inspire me to do that. And finally, what advice would you give to other dads? It's something that a lot of people say for sure, but I would agree with it. And that would be being there. As simple as that, you know, you can go much further than that, but just being a constant in their life. I'm there with my kids, except for these four days, 
when they go to sleep, when they wake up, you know, at every school performance that I'm able to make. So just just being there and we're all going to make mistakes and we're all going to have struggles and we're all going to have a temper at times. But if you're just there, that's what they're going to remember. Well, Tommy, I, I want to say thank you for everything that you've done to you know promote fatherhood, but also to be a, a champion for fatherhood throughout the years. Now, if people want to find you not just the book, but want to be able to find you or Lucy and be able to kind of watch what you guys are doing. Where's the best place that they should go? For sure. So you could find the communities that we built and that's at Life of Mom and at Life of Dad pretty much across the board. But then to see a little bit more personal of Lucy and I, you can find at Tommy Riles and at Lucy Riles pretty much across the board as well. So on all the social platforms. Well, Tommy, I appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for being here and I wish you all the best. Yeah. And thank you, Chris. And if your wife has any decorative pillows, like just try to slow it down and make them start disappearing. All right. Without her noticing, because if she notices, then she'll, she'll get a new shipment in and that can be frustrating, but I'm just looking out for you. So I would just slowly start taking them away. I think that's the best thing you could do right now. Well, and I think that you, I think you've got some argument there to go back to Lucy and say, well, you got six pillows. So that means I get to get rid of six pillows. That's right. But then I'm afraid she would get six more. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to play that game, Chris. These things are like, they're like 20 bucks a pop, aren't they? I don't know what they cost, but you see a box that shows up with four pillows in it. Come on. What's that, 80 bucks? Can get expensive. Well, thank you, Tommy, and I will talk to you again soon. Thanks, Chris. Great to, thank you for having me. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat. And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be